0: Hi everybody. Welcome to the Casey Carapults podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Perushin. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Troy Fox. Good morning, Troy. Good morning. Hey, you know, this whole Medicare maintenance thing, it it comes up all the time. And you you actually yeah. asked me a great question um the other day. Where, mm-hmm. where do you where do you draw the line between acute care and maintenance care?
1: Is yeah, there, that was that. Yeah, that was actually yeah. a question from my wife. She's like, how do you make that delineation? <clears throat> and I thought, what a great question. It really because is a great are, question. Because we get a lot of docs that call us that don't know how to delineate between active and maintenance care. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. <clears throat> so let, let's just kind of walk through that a little bit because there's there's actually several things to unpack there. So the first thing is, let's talk about how you delineate in your billing. So an mm-hmm. acute care patient, should have an AT modifier on the adjustment code, 9894041 or 42. Mm-hmm. If they're a maintenance patient, they should have the GA modifier on each of uh, on those codes. Right. <clears throat> okay, so that's the first thing. Now, mm-hmm. how do you decide if they're AT or GA? Well, it's a simple question and it's a complex question all at the same time. I, I flip a coin.
1: <laughs> and
0: that's one way to do it.
1: That yeah, it is. It's probably not a very effective way if I don't want to be in trouble. But, you know, sometimes I like to ride the lightning. So I just <laughs> flip a coin. Oh, yeah, you're still active care. Even though That's my funny. notes don't support it. So, yeah. So, so, okay. So how do we make that determination? <laughs> so really, it's
0: you make that determination clinically. So if mm-hmm. you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's, which I hope everybody is when it comes to Medicare, actually when it comes to documentation of of any type of patient, but Mm -hmm. if you're really dotting those I's and crossing those T's, then your documentation should guide you. Okay. So new patient comes in the door and I know everybody does this. They immediately assume that they're an acute care patient, but are they?
1: They They may may not be. be. They may not be.
0: They may not be, because you've got to you've got to dig into the case a little bit to find out. Number one, mm-hmm. how long has the condition been going on? Can the patient uh, pin it to a specific incident or time when this happened? For example, yeah, a year and a half ago, I stepped down. I missed the bottom step on a step stool, getting something out of the cabinet, and that's when this started. Okay, so we we've got a specific mm-hmm. time in space when this when this began. Had they seen somebody else for it? Here's one thing a lot of docs miss. They've been to the chiropractor down the street this mm-hmm. year and saw the saw that doctor 20 times for the same condition. Mm-hmm. So are you tacking on to that? Yeah, you could be. So you've got to find out what other treatments the patient has had. What other doctors have they seen? What medications have they taken? You've got to really dive into the case a little bit because-
1: I, yeah, always like to, I always like to use this when, when you think about a patient. So a lot of times we think about, oh, low back pain or neck pain or mid back pain. I could go to something like maybe a drop foot and go, okay, would that be something that I might be able to functionally improve? Well, maybe if there's a lumbar problem there, let's use a different one. I'm blind in one eye. Can you functionally improve my blindness in one eye? I, there's maybe a one in a million chance that there's something going on in my spine that maybe you could. But. Realistic chances of my blindness, especially since it got poked out with (laughs) a stick and there's no eye there. Okay, let's go even deeper. I got my eye poked out with a stick and I come to you and I say, can you functionally improve me? If you can, I'd like to be on active Medicare. Am I an active Medicare patient or no? Is anything you're going to do for me? If you rub some cream around my eye, is that prophylactic? It's prophylactic. That's how I look at it. Yeah. You have to almost look at it as a different condition. Cause I think sometimes we try to put everything in the chiropractic box and I get it guys mm-hmm. and gals, there are times that we do some really, really cool stuff. And sometimes we get unexpected, really cool outcomes with patients. Mm-hmm. Hey, my acid reflux went away. Hey, I, I use, I've been, I've been dizzy for years, you know, and I always want to say, are, are you sure it wasn't ditzy or is it di- dizzy? But I hey, was either way, comment. I'm glad you got better, but you know, there, there are things that we help, but there are also sometimes that we have to look at this from a functional improvement standpoint. So I like to use that extreme example because, you know, we look at patients when they come through the door and sometimes like you said, and I like this, we cut it off right when they walk in the door. We don't even look at past history and the chiropractor that saw him down the street X yeah. number of times. Yeah. And you, you've got to look at that. So you, you, you know, have
0: to, and you need to request those records too. Yeah. I know sometimes we get a little, little leery about requesting the records from the doctor down the street. You need to request mm-hmm. those records period end mm-hmm. of story mm-hmm. <clears> yeah. because you need to see what, what happened up to this point. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to back up here for just a second because you just took sure. a Fifty-pound sledgehammer and crushed the the nail. Mm-hmm. When you said functional improvement, mm-hmm. okay. So here's the other thing we have to know: Medicare does not look at us as pain management; they look at us as functional improvement doctors. What?
1: What? Right? I'm, right? I I I'm an allopracter. What? What are you talking <laughs> about? I had to do functional improvement. They that's look what, at me. Ha- that's oh what. My the, gosh.
0: That's what chiropractic care is designed for in the Medicare system is for functional improvement. So we need to be focusing in on function, okay? Patient has pain. All right, that's part of your notes. It's part of your record keeping. It gives an indication of the severity of the problem, potentially, or the relationship to onset, maybe. But more importantly, how is the patient affected by this condition? Okay, so how do we find that? It's really simple, you guys. It's I almost don't even want to say it. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to tell you. This is my nugget for yep. the day: outcome assessment questionnaires. Now, yeah. half of you listening to this just fell out of your chair or about wrecked the car because, right? No patient likes filling those out, and staff just cringes when they have to hand it to a patient because every patient complains. Oh gosh, I got to fill this thing out. This thing, mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer this. This is, I'm telling you. Those outcome assessment questionnaires should be the gold standard right. when it comes to function.
1: Okay? And do us do us a favor when you do those outcome assessments. Make sure that you have a modified outcome assessment for your Medicare patients because they have a different set of ADLs than I do at 28 years old. You know. Oh, wait a minute. So yeah,
0: 28 How about
1: that. Well, okay, I'm a little older than 28, but even if. <laughs> Even at twenty nine, yeah, <laughs> there you so, go. That's closer. <laughs> but but as as I was looking through, uh, I was actually looking through some of my outcome assessments yesterday because every mm-hmm. once in a while I like to go through. As I start to get a little bit older, and I know I look like I'm in my twenties still, but as I start to get a little bit older, I go through those outcome assessments now. On, I resemble more of those statements, but I was going through it to make sure that everything was there. Is there anything else that I could add that would help me really know where a patient is at? So I like to use a modified outcome assessment mm-hmm. that really talks about those ADLs that those folks that are of Medicare age. That's the one I give somebody that's Medicare age. And yep. so make sure that you make sure that you find an outcome assessment that actually is age appropriate. Yep. I agree. Exactly. And make sure you score it
0: and share with the yeah. patient why that, why that form is so important. You know, this form is mm-hmm. important because it shows that you have a 44% disability when it comes to your low back condition, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But from there, you've also got trackable goals. It's objectifiable. You can actually track it. Your first goal for the patient, remember, you have to have goals in your records mm-hmm. or it's not an acute case. So your first goal may be to see a 20% improvement in your low back disability uh, questionnaire in two weeks, maybe 40% in four weeks. And then how do you track it? You do progress exams, you guys. You've got to create Mm -hmm. medical necessity. Okay, Mm -hmm. so being acute when it comes to a Medicare patient, this really applies to anybody, being acute is, can I prove that care is medically necessary? The two are intertwined with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got this patient, you bring him in, you do an evaluation. And I see a lot of doctors say, well, Medicare doesn't pay for the evaluation, so I'm just going to not do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: No, (laughs) we just did. We just did a major class on this, actually. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand what Medicare documentation rules are. And the whole point of documentation is not just writing down what happened or what the patient said or what you did it's the pathway to get you to your diagnosis and medical necessity the only way you can do that is by an exam see so you have to do an exam it by virtue of the medicare laws the cms laws rules you have to do an exam there's no way around it and then you need to do follow up exams along the way okay and then eventually that medicare patient is not going to see improvement anymore and when they get to the point where there's no reasonable expectation for improvement, geez, there's another nugget.
1: Mm -hmm. When
0: -hmm. there's no reasonable expectation for improvement, then on the next visit, should the patient come back in or should you recommend they come back in?
1: Yeah. Then it's likely going
0: to be maintenance.
1: You said something really important there. And here's where a lot of docs get hung up. They go back to, we already talked about this. You are considered a functional expert, not a, not a, Hey, when are, when am I out of pain doctor? Right. Mm -hmm. Even though unfortunately a lot of us function that way in practice. And we go, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good today. I don't have any pain. Haven't had any pain for the last three days, but they're still walking with a limp, Mm -hmm. but they don't have any pain. And you go, Oh, okay. And they go, And they, and a lot of times, if we allow a patient at that point when they're out of pain, what do they say? Well, I think I'll just see you here in a couple of weeks or I'll see you in a month or I'll call you when I hurt again. So they they basically self-release themselves because we're not directing care because we don't have any kind of roadmap to success for that patient. Right. And so what happens is they walk around with that dysfunctional limp, which was the real problem to begin with, was the dysfunction, not the pain and they walk away. I hate when I see that happen, but here's the point. If you don't have a road map and you're not doing re-exams and you're not doing outcome assessments, you never really know when you get that patient to a, a functional plateau. In other words, right. where, you're, where you're not going to make that change. And that kind of goes back full circle all the way to the beginning. And when we talked, that's the point where we now are moving that patient to maintenance or wellness care. Sometimes it's wellness because they're well, sometimes it's maintenance because you're just trying to keep the function that you have created, but you are aware that you're not going to create any more functional improvement. That's why the exams are important. So if that makes a little better sense, that's actually like putting the, puzzle pieces together when we do it that way, rather than what a lot of, you know, a a lot of folks do is they're confused about how the Medicare rules work. They think as long as the patient's still in pain, they can still treat. And you and I talked about this before, the shell game that's been played in the past, where somebody comes in with low back pain, and when their low back pain gets about 80% better, they just change the diagnosis to a cervical diagnosis and keep (laughs) treating. And here's the thing. They had a (laughs) cervical problem too. It's not like they're doing it and the person has no discomfort. They have cervical and lumbar problems, but you're going about it all wrong. You need to treat it from a functional improvement standpoint, like you talked about. Once they get to that plateau, now they're on wellness. Let's be honest with our patients and let's let's trust our patients enough that they appreciate the care that you're giving them Mm -hmm. enough. (laughs) <laughs> that they're willing to pay for that care outside of Medicare. And I will tell you that a lot of patients are.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we hear from doctors all the time, not our members, because our members are really good at p- moving patients mm-hmm. over to uh, Medicare patients over to maintenance and and the Medicare patient paying for the care. But mm-hmm. I, I, I hear a lot of doctors out there still having trouble with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that's a whole nother class, but our podcast. Yeah. Um
1: You really have to realize with Medicare patients, they have a very limited care window. This isn't a catch all insurance to where you just, you know, I mean, I think that's a lot of we have and I get it, chiropractors, we have felt wronged by the system we just talked about that this morning. Why, why can we not, you know, why can we not drop out of Medicare, you know, just see our patients for cash, you know, Mm -hmm. why, why, why is there this inclusion that we're stuck in? Why are we not paid for some of the services? We get it. We feel wrong. Just like you do. We're chiropractors. We Mm -hmm. have been wronged in the Medicare system for a long time. And, and, and I have a very strong opinion about that. And I know you do too. Yeah. But But here's, Here's, but you can't use that as a grudge when you're when you're billing. No, because the Medicare
0: system we have for chiropractic care is simple. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I'll be honest. I don't think I don't think as far as insurance goes, and I know it's not insurance, federal entitlement, but mm-hmm. it, as far as insurance, third party reimbursement—I'll put it that way. As far as that right. goes, you couldn't have a more simple system to function in. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they pay for care, there's no parameters on care. You just are under the onus of having to prove medical necessity. Will they pay right. for 24 visits if it's necessary? You yeah, know, mm-hmm. I get this question all the time. Will, will they pay for 30 visits? If it's necessary, you may have to prove it. you know, mm-hmm. somewhere in there they' pro- they may ask a question like, can you mm-hmm. prove that this patient still needs care? And if you can, then you're probably fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're at visit six and there's no functional improvement left, and you're still mm-hmm. billing Medicare because you're not to the magic eighteen, mm-hmm. you you may be putting yourself in jeopardy a little bit too. So, all you have to do is just really understand the rules here, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the rule is then when you get that functional improvement stabilized, and there's not going to be there's no ex- no reasonable expectation for functional improvement. <clears throat> then you're going to move the patient over to maintenance care, okay? If the patient accepts maintenance care, you have to have this conversation before maintenance care begins, not after. If the patient accepts Medicare, then you've got to slide the ABN in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I, y- you have to realize the ABN is a legal document that can only be used by a Medicare provider, okay? If you're not a Medicare mm-hmm. provider, you have no legal right, no legal way to use the mm-hmm. ABN form. Okay. And I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not going to touch that topic right now. I, mm-hmm. I want to say, cause that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> but use the ABN correctly. The ABN is your friend and make sure you're filling it out correctly. I still see doctors doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. You can get in trouble for having an inaccurate and incorrectly filled out ABN. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, me
1: ask, yeah, go let ahead. me ask you a quick question. Is it possible that when I have a patient walk through the door on day one, that they could immediately be a patient that I would need to have sign an ABN?
0: It's possible if that's what your exam tells you.
1: Okay, what would I see in my exam that would tell me that the patient would want to sign an ABN? You and I talked about this earlier, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's let's talk about that real quick. Just give, give me the give me the the Reader's Digest of what what would happen there.
0: I'll give you a super simple example because this this just happened not too long ago. Okay, <clears throat> doctor retires from practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, closes the practice, yep. shifts patient files over to his buddy down the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. Patient comes in, Medicare patient, they were on Medicare maintenance for, Uh I don't remember, eight months, I think. No Uh new condition, no new issue, no pain. They just want to continue care. Uh The new doctor does an evaluation because that patient Uh is new to them, does an evaluation and starts billing Medicare because he has not seen the patient yet. Uh That's wrong. Mm-hmm. because knowing that that patient had been on maintenance care and there's no change in condition, unless you can prove that the patient shouldn't have been on maintenance care, which I think would be pretty hard to do, mm-hmm. you probably are just a continuation of care. Here's right. another example. If that patient comes in, they don't like the chiropractor they've been going to,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they want 20 times for this condition. And somehow you don't ask and the patient doesn't isn't forthcoming about having gone to somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To Medicare, you may be building uh, billing for care on top of those 20.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you don't know about those 20, what happened right. in those 20, and you can prove that a continuation of care deserves an AT modifier for acute care. hmm Okay. So this is just where you got to be careful. This is where you just have to be on your toes with documentation. It's not hard. You just look at that Medicare patient in that example and say, Hey, we've done our evaluation today. I've got the information I need from that, but I need your other doctor's records. So we're going to fill out a records request. We're going to send that. As soon as we have them back, then I can begin care.
1: Yeah. And you may be in a situation where maybe somebody's been under active care with another doc and you evaluate them and go, I don't think there's any functional improvement to be made. That's that's probably another unique situation. Sure. There are times when a patient walks through your front door other than just continuation of care where you may immediately be going from, you know, from an AT modifier to a GA modifier just like that.
0: You could be. Yeah, Yeah. You, you could be. Um, so you just got to ask all these questions and then you got to tie everything back to medical necessity, which relates back to Mm -hmm. functional improvement. So,
1: which means, which means you got to take notes. And so, so it's important that you have good notes. It's important that you have notes that are easy for you to get into and complete if that makes that, that should make sense because the harder it is, the more we are inclined to do less than an adequate job, even though we may know a ton about that patient and what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't get it documented. And if we don't get it documented, it didn't happen. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's yeah, no unfortunately if
0: yeah. it's not written down. It didn't happen. Yep. Um. <clears throat> And, and I hear a lot of docs say, oh, you know, it's so hard to document a, a Medicare patient. No, it's not. It really mm-hmm. isn't. And honestly, you should be documenting all your patients that way. Yeah. You know, you, you should have a very thorough exam, very thorough history. But, you know, go and read. And if you're one of our members listening to this, go watch the the new Medicare class that we just did on, on Medicare documentation and mm-hmm. what CMS's rules actually are. Yeah. We break it all down very, very simple. Very simple simplistically in a there simple manner,
1: <laughs> in a simple manner. Well, here's the problem. Mo- and I've, and I will say that I've been guilty of this until I had to start working with clients and I had to teach other people. There were times where I was like, I don't know. And I don't really want to know. Now that's not <laughs> a good way to be. Trust me, learn from me. Now I'd always in, ask
0: me to handle that conversation. Yeah,
1: I didn't get in trouble for anything, but I'm like, I, I would sometimes at points in my practice, bury my head in the sand and put my hands over my ears, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil kind of thing. The problem is, is we can't do that. Right. Medicare doesn't care that you stuck your head in the sand and put your hand over your nope. ears. No, nope. You couldn't see, you couldn't hear. I didn't know. Now. If you work just a little bit at doing the right thing, you'll actually find out that your note system will improve. You have yeah. a much better system, like like Dr. Perush said, if you do this with all your patients, that functional improvement is awesome. And it's a really great way for your patients to see where they're at as well. You can go, right, you were at point EA, now you're at point B, or you're at point B, and we need to go farther you can actually look and see and functional improvement i think as a chiropractor is way more important than did i get you out of pain and sure yeah. i want you to be pain free but i want you to be functional because the problem is if i just get you pain free 30 years from now you're still going to have that lumbar spine problem you're going to have all kinds of djd maybe maybe there's no disc space left but if i get you functional and i keep you there is there a better chance that maybe you'll retain that disc space and that function and you won't go through as much arthritic change? I think that's a fair argument.
0: And that's why people will stay in, in maintenance yeah. care. When you yeah. tie it to pain, there's no emotional connection to pain.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: just it's either on or it's off. Right. But when you talk about function, you're talking mm-hmm. about restoring patients lives. Yes. oh my gosh dr fox i can get down on the floor and play with my grandkids now mm-hmm. thank you when you restore people's lives when you bring back function th- this is the great thing in my mind about what we get to do is we help people get back to the things they love to do and then we mm-hmm. help them stay there so yeah if if you've pulled some stuff out of this podcast today and you're thinking oh my gosh my 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 notes are terrible i'm not doing it right or whatever Just go to your compliance manual, document that you listened to this podcast, and you're making the following changes. Sign it, date it, and if you get audited, I'm not going to tell you this is going to keep the auditors completely off of you, but it does give you fodder to say, look, I'm trying. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do the right thing. I didn't go back and alter my notes. I documented that I watched a class and I got some new information that I Mm -hmm. think is going to help my documentation better. They're going to smile at that. The auditors are going to smile at that. I'm not going to tell you it's going to keep you out of trouble,
1: but it's going to make the audit process maybe a little bit smoother. At least we hope. So, So what if I don't have a compliance manual?
0: Uh oh, there's podcast number three that came out of this.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll dive into that next oh, time. Oh yeah. So all
0: right, everybody. I think we beat the uh the Medicare maintenance rabbit to uh to uh To death here. So, yeah, bloody, bloody pulp. So, um, and hey, if if you haven't already done this, go to catsconsultants.com, see what we're doing to help clients out there have better practices, more profitable practices, and most of all, your own life back. And make sure to download our PDF, it's on how to boost your annual practice revenue by $130,000 or more in five simple steps. And I'm telling you, these five simple things are so incredibly simple you'll be like, how come I wasn't already doing this? So Dr. Fox, thanks for joining us today. Thanks out everybody out there listening to the KC Karapult's podcast brought to you by CATS Consultants. We'll see you all next time.